what's better than earning money from a nine to five job? It's earning money while you sleep, which is made possible if you start investing. You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Demystified with your very own dynamic duo, Ava Benasaki and August Biniaz. Tune in as we discuss everything real estate, both on the passive and active sides. We feature life-changing stories of today's real estate leaders that will help build your own roadmap to success. This is a show that will lead you to diversified portfolio, a much bigger revenue, and a next level venture that brings you a smooth cash flow. Let's get this episode started. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And we're back from Dallas, Texas, yeah. back home. I know we came back with lots of meeting networking, meeting a lot of people at that Think Multifamily event. It was a really awesome event. Came back home with a lot of connections, a lot of learning, some cigars. Some cigars. August loves his cigars. You know, yeah. I love going to these events because you network, you meet like-minded individuals, you really hit it off, and then... You know what I mean? You can possibly partner with these yes, people. So it was the, really, really great. But the unfortunate thing, we also came home with a little bit of a cold. So maybe the networking and the connections and cigars wasn't the only thing we brought back home. But and sorry to our Dallas friends, because I think we actually brought the rain from Vancouver to yeah, Dallas. Yeah, it was two, two degrees uh, Celsius. I'm not sure what that is in Fahrenheit, but it was a great event. It was fun. Now we're back. YouTube, we're troopers. I feel like going and under a blanket and watching Netflix, but I'm here working. So. You already did that last night, August. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed to do that last night for sure. So we have a great show for you today. Great guest. I've personally been on John's podcast, YouTube show. So I'm excited to bring our guest on and interview him. If you want to check out his show is Multifamily Insights. We'll put it in there in the show notes, Multifamily Insights with John Kasman. So check that out. And we're going to get it started. Ava, maybe you can tell. uh... Wonderful. Yes, I'll get it started here. I'm going to introduce John here. Not only excited to tell everybody about who he is, but he also has like kind of like a radio voice. So it's going to be nice for listeners on the podcast to listen to John. So let me tell you guys a little bit about John. John. He's got a video face as well. I just want to say oh, that. Yes, okay? yes, sometimes radio voice is like saying someone, that, hey, he's got a radio, you know, he's got a voice for radio. But no, he's definitely also got a Radio voice and a and video. video yeah, face. All right, here we go, guys. John Kassman is a real estate entrepreneur who has partnered with busy professionals to invest in over $100 million worth of apartments. So John also consults active multifamily investors to help them start or grow their business. He hosts the Multifamily Insights podcast, formerly Target Market Insights, and is the co-creator of the Midwest Real Estate Networking Summit. So prior to becoming a full-time investor, John worked in corporate America, overseeing marketing campaigns for General Motors, Nike, and Coors Light. So we believe this interview with John will bring great value to real estate investors looking to raise more capital by building a strong brand. So welcome, John. Thanks for being on our show. Welcome, John. August, Ava, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today, and I appreciate all the warm compliments you gave me. I want to almost take that radio voice to another level in this episode just to really accentuate it, but it's a fun thing that we can leverage some of the gifts and some of the technology and some of the tools that we have to connect and engage with so many different people. So excited to talk about real estate investing and a little bit about my journey and how to tap into marketing to build a personal brand. Amazing. Amazing, John. All right. So maybe you can just start off by tell us about your background and your start in real estate, please. Yeah. So you joked about the radio voice, but that's actually what I wanted to do. I wanted to go on a radio. I remember being a young teen and my uncle had a roommate who was actually a radio DJ. And it was the first person I ever saw or heard who was in that space. 
Now, his show came on at two in the morning and it was very few times I actually stood up or stayed awake long enough to hear it. It was just super cool to me, right? Got to college. I had a radio show and I really wanted to be a DJ. Realized that DJs starting out make pennies. I mean, almost below minimum wage. So I scrapped that idea completely, but I did love marketing. So I actually learned about communications and marketing and that's what I studied. I actually applied my degree and went into communications and marketing, working in advertising and marketing for about 15 years. And as you alluded to, I worked for big brands, big companies. I worked at General Motors in Detroit for about four and a half years. I worked in Chicago, we're at an advertising agency working on brands and campaigns for Nike, Coors Light, Mountain Dew, some other big brands. And while I was doing all that, I really wanted to build a personal brand. And for me, what really happened was during my time in Detroit at GM, well, that was 2007 to 2011. And for those of you who, you know, know calendars and can look back at time, that was when the economic downturn kicked off. And the company I was at was the face of that economic downturn, at least until the banks kicked in. And for me, it made it clear that you can't depend on a W-2 job. You can't depend on a job that is a company that's too big to fail or a job where you feel like you are secure because things can change very quickly. And a lot of people are unfortunately experiencing that today. We're seeing a lot of tech jobs being lost, a lot of layoffs in various industries. And if you are reliant solely on a W-2 job, you are really exposing yourself to some of these issues. And that's exactly what I saw with a lot of my colleagues. So for me, watching that firsthand, it made me realize I need to insulate myself a little bit. And as I read more and I studied more, real estate is the solution that kept popping up. So I started to learn more about real estate investing. It took a little bit of time before I actually bought my first property. I ended up moving to Chicago. My wife and I bought a two family that we house hacked. So we lived in one unit, we rented out the other unit. And once we kind of had this proof of concept verified, we had it validated. We were able to create uh, six figures worth of equity in that first project. That's when I said, okay, this is what we need to be doing because I made more money in this project than I made in a year on my day job. And it's like, well, how do I do more of this and a little bit less of the W-2? And that really launched my journey into what we do now, which is apartment syndication. And we've partnered with busy professionals to join us on these deals. We have invested in over $100 million worth of apartments. So that's something that we do, but the marketing absolutely played a key role in that. And I know we're going to dive into that a little bit more going forward. Amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. I've been preaching for forever about how important marketing <laughs> is when you try to run a real estate investment firm. But yeah. Uh, Just before that, John, you said a couple of things that I really like. You can't rely on your W-2 job, right? I have conversations with investors every day and it's all of our conversations. We're trying to say, how can we create alternative streams of income for yourself and your family so you don't have to have that pressure and you know you're going to be okay. And I love that you said that because it's really about, but people, it's all about the mindset and people don't know what they don't know, right? So really good points you made there. And the timing too, Ava, just because I think a lot of times people, they want to get into this to quit their job. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what your goal is. But it took me almost 11 years from the time that mentally I said, you know what, I need to diversify into something else, right? So at the end of 2008 to the time I actually left my W-2 job, it was 11 years. And I started investing in 2012. So it was a slow process to slowly start building up that portfolio, the passive income, and get to the point where I said, you know what, now I know how to make this transition to make this leap. So I think part of it is you have to have a plan and start working that plan. And don't expect it to happen overnight. Don't expect it to be a one-year transition. So it's okay if you love your job, you can never envision leaving. You should still be investing, right? Because 10 years from now, 
your situation may change. And now you're in a position where you do want to make that transition. So I do believe it's important for everyone to at least give yourself options and mitigate the risk, your own personal risk as much as possible. Well said. Well said. Now, John, I want to make the connection between real estate syndications and marketing. So how important is marketing for real estate investment groups who are relying on raising capital? Well, initially, I had no clue that marketing was very important for real estate investing because to me, real estate was brick and mortar, right? It was construction. It was development. It was property management. So it took me a while before I realized that everything I was doing in my day job was actually helping me grow a bigger business. And what really helps is understanding what are the different elements, right? So absolutely, there's the real estate, there's the construction, there's the property management side of it. But when you start breaking all those things down, it really comes down to being able to manage people. And real estate is a business just like any other business. So in that case, every business has kind of the product or service that you're offering, right? You've got to have some quality products or services. You have to have your operations team. You have your human resources. You're going to have your sales and marketing. You're going to have your finance teams, right? So on the sales and marketing, when it comes to apartment syndication, there's really two core components. One is going to be raising capital or attracting capital for deals. That's going to be investor relations and making sure you're building connections with people who want to invest with you. And the other is going to be deal flow, right? So acquisitions, finding deals, and how are you getting these deals coming in? So those are the areas where the marketing can really help you because now you understand how to build a pipeline, how to create funnels, and how to engage with people so that they want to invest with you. So similar to any other brand or any other company, you have to ask yourself, okay, if our business is, is driven by investors, well, how do we add investors? How do we connect with investors? How do we answer the questions that they have? And it's just like any other business, right? If you had a cupcake factory, you'd want to understand, okay, who are we selling these cupcakes to? What do they look for in cupcakes? How many cupcakes should we offer? Who's our best customers for cupcakes? How do we get in front of them more, right? So there's a whole process, no matter what the product or service is, that marketing helps you with. And I think sometimes people hear marketing and they just hear advertising and promotion. But marketing is every single thing that you do to put a product or service in front of a customer so that they can make an informed decision. So there's the location, right? So where are you offering this opportunity? How are you pricing it? Or what are their projected returns, right? How are you promoting it is obviously gonna be a piece of it. But all these different things come into play and you also have to understand well, what are the other options? What are the alternatives? And sometimes people may look at us, right? You guys are syndication group. We're a syndication group. We're here doing a podcast together. This doesn't happen in any other industry, right? Any other industry, if I was a fitness coach and you're a fitness coach, well, we might be competing for the same client, right? So maybe we're not going to sit there and collaborate on this, but it happens here because the competition is not really each other. The competition is anything else you could do with your money. And we know that the stock market, crypto, all these other options, saving it in a bank account, putting it under your mattress, like spending it completely, right? These are the things we're trying to help people with because it doesn't matter if you invest with our group or your group. Certainly, we're happy if you invest with us, but we want to make sure people are educated so they understand how to take control of their finances so they can create the lifestyle that they want for their families. So those are the things that we're talking about with marketing is you're trying to understand how do you connect and engage with people so that they understand what it is that you do. Because this is still so new to many people that we have to spend a lot of time educating them. Yeah, they know how the stock market works. They don't know how this works. That's a super important point, John, because you talk about like a cupcake factory or make the example of pizza. 
Great. You know who your customer is. Your customer is someone who understands pizza, has had pizza before. You just happen to be a pizza shop that's nearby or you have a certain type of pizza. Fair enough. You market it. Conventional marketing ways, you get your product in front of them. In our industry, great. Yes, people who invested as LPs in the past understand the syndication model, have invested in these types of investments. Great. The conversion rate is much higher there because our product is really superior to REITs or other types of investments. But you also have a demographic who don't even know this product exists. And that's the majority of people. These alternative investments are the alternative because the standard is basically going through financial advisors and conventional ways of investing. We offer this other product that yields higher returns and it's much more intimate, it's much more hands-on. But a lot of investors don't even know that they could have even invested. Just like large institutions, university endowments, pension funds, family offices invest with large private equity firms like Blackstone, a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant could come and invest with us on a very low point of entry of 100K, invest in our product and have the same type of returns that these large institutions have. So the education and the marketing, yes, it is to people who are in this space who want to eat cupcake, but it's also to people who've never tasted cupcake or even knew cupcake existed. And that is our job. And that's what we're doing here today, creating content to even know our our product even exists. Absolutely. And think about the cupcake thing, right? People understand cupcakes. What if I told you that there was a cupcake that had zero sugar and it actually would help you lose weight, right? Now, that's counterintuitive to what people think of cupcakes, right? So that's the challenge is that you have to get in front of people to help them understand how this actually works. And and in some cases, it's almost that you have to reprogram people because in their mind, real estate is one thing, and maybe that's flipping houses or buying rentals and being a landlord. So that's what they think of when they hear real estate investing. And maybe they're against that. Maybe they don't want to be a landlord. Maybe they tried to flip or they love watching those flipping shows, but they have no desire in the world to be the person on the other end of that managing that project. So they may be shut down from real estate investing. So you kind of have to take a moment and actually deprogram them to educate them on what it is that you do, how you can actually invest in these deals and be a direct owner, get all the perks of owning real estate directly without the headaches of being a landlord. That's a conundrum that a lot of people have a hard time wrapping their head around. So that's the challenge is really breaking that down so they understand the nuances of it. And then it's the matter of someone said to me once, John, this sounds great. How come I've never heard of this before? Well, think about it, right? You've got these big institutions, Charles Schwab, Northwest Mutual, TD Ameritrade, all these big companies, right? They got big budgets. We just talked about marketing. They got big budgets. They got TV campaigns, radio, and lobby, lobby, lobby the government. We didn't even get into the lobbyists, right? Yeah, because we're the alternative. If people can go take their whole life savings and go on the equities market and buy some Bitcoin or stocks. But if they want to invest 50K with John or August and Ava, they have to jump through a million hoops and follow certain regulations. That's another part of it as well, John, is the lobby. Absolutely. So you've got to understand that in this space, it's more nuanced because you are working with direct groups and you're talking to them directly. But the reason you may not have heard of this or you don't see it as broadly is because you don't have companies that have $100 million marketing campaigns or marketing budgets to go out there and tell everybody about syndications and all those things. So it's one of those things that is a bit nuanced, but the people who can really take advantage of this, I think it's really important for them. And this is a fairly accessible thing for really any professional. 
If you are a professional, you make decent salary. You don't always have to be a credit. There's, I mean, many deals do require you to be a credit, but there are deals where you don't have to be a credit. So just continue to learn and educate yourself. And there's some opportunities that could help you and your family. Amazing. Amazing. So now, now let's keep going on this concept of marketing and getting our product in front of investors. And let's kind of go through an investor journey. Like we talked about a cupcake shop, right? So first thing is that the investor or the customer has to realize that that store or that investment firm even exists. That happens through conventional and creative marketing strategies. Now that they've connected, they now have to find that group interesting enough to might want to be involved and that whole journey. And at some point, so Ava has a series of questions she's going to be asking you, but it's to walk both our passive investors who are watching and active investors to see that journey an investor takes from the time they realize a company investment firm exists to the time that they subscribe to their information and everything else. So yeah, no, I really think it's mind blowing how many digital tools that real estate private equity firms need to be efficient. So maybe we can give like a crash course to our viewers on a journey an investor goes through. So first, we kind of start off by what August mentioned is the investors realizing that there's an actual investment that even investment firm exists. The firm has to exist first. So how would we do that, John? Or how would we get our brand or offering in front of investors? And what are some of the strategies you've utilized or seen other groups utilize? Yeah, so I think it's really important for people to understand the marketing funnel. And again, this is true for any product or service, but the marketing funnel and picture kind of an upside down triangle. So up top is going to be kind of the widest layer. And then it kind of gets skinnier as you go down to a little hole where the final piece will come out. So the top part of that funnel is awareness. Okay. It's awareness. So how many people are aware of your product? And for this case, I'm going to use Adidas if that's okay. So think about Adidas. Are you aware Adidas, of Adidas? Adidas is in the news right now, man. Adidas. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. So let's just use Adidas, right. right? Are you aware? I normally use Nike, but I'm moving to Adidas for this all one, right? Because right? Nike oh. has some challenges too right now. Yeah. But Adidas, right? Are you aware that they even exist? Are you aware that they make shoes, right? Most people are. 98, 99% of people are aware Adidas exists and they wear shoes. So the next part of the funnel is going to be consideration, right? So they make shoes. Would you consider buying these shoes? Maybe you would, maybe you won't. Maybe that's 65, 70% of them would consider buying them. Then there's going to be trial, right? Have you ever bought them? Would you buy them one time? Would you try them on? Would you wear them for a weekend, right? So would you actually try them? Once you try them, next is going to be repeat. So this funnel is getting smaller and smaller, right? You have to try them before you can repeat. So you try them, then you repeat. And then after you repeat, you become loyal to them, right? This is your favorite brand. You only wear Adidas or you prefer Adidas. That's your loyalty. So let's take this back from what we're talking about as multifamily investors or apartment syndicators. First, they have to be aware you even exist. And there's two things to think about when I say that. It's not that you exist as a person. It's understanding what you offer. Let's go back to Adidas. You know that they make shoes. What if I told you that Adidas makes telephones? They make cell phones now. Okay, you may not know that they make cell phones. So you know they make shoes, but you may not know, you may not be aware that they make cell phones. So then it comes to, okay, well, now that I'm aware, well, how do you make them aware? Well, you can tell them through a TV spot. You could tell them through a radio campaign, print. You could have some celebrity showcasing their Adidas phone, right? There's lots of different ways to start building awareness. So as a multifamily syndicator, we have to let people be aware of what it is that we do and how we can help them. So one of the ways I do that is coming on a show like this. So we're going to talk to people. Casman Capital Group partners with busy professionals to invest in apartments passively. 
So we're going to do it through podcasts. We're going to do it through blogs. We're going to do it through social media. I'm going to do it through events and networking and showing up at these different conferences. I'm going to do it at using email marketing, right? I'm going to email people and share information to them. I'm going to do it the old fashioned way, word of mouth. I'm going to pick up the phone. I'm going to call some people. I'm going to text some friends. I'm going to share what I'm doing, right? These are all different strategies of things you can do to drive awareness of what you're doing, right? A great way of doing this is actually when you buy a property and you see this all the time on social media, you buy a property, well, you tell people you bought a property. Here's one little tip though. If you're going to share that you just closed a property, make sure you do it in a way that A, is legal, but it's not fishing for new investors, but you're actually adding value to other people. So one of the things that I always like to do, and I share this with all my coaching clients and other people as well, is when we do a closing or we have something like that, we actually like to create an informational and educational post about something we learned in that process or something that was reiterated to us. We recently sold a 28 unit, so a smaller property in our portfolio. That was a JV deal. And we wrote an article about three lessons we learned of how being a seller actually informed our process to be better buyers. And that was something that we shared. So it's not just saying, hey, we just sold this. We made a ton of money. We're ballers. We're so great. But actually taking a moment to educate people so that they can learn from your experience and then apply it. Because you and I could sit there and say, hey, you just bought this. I just bought that. That doesn't add any value to anybody. And it's the same thing if you're a real estate agent. Oh, I just sold one, two, three Main Street. Who cares, right? Like that's great for you. Pat on the back. But if you can demonstrate how you added value and how you're separating yourself from your peers, and how you truly are a cut above, now you've added value. If you say, hey, we just sold 123 Main Street, it went 20% above market and it closed in 35 days. This is the fastest sell in this market. My clients are extremely happy. They had a tough situation. I was able to help them navigate it. If you've got a similar situation, I'm happy to talk to you about it, right? Now you've demonstrated your expertise. You've demonstrated how you navigated the market. You've demonstrated how you're able to deliver for your clients. You didn't just say you closed, but you talked about the market knowledge and some of the challenges that you're over to, able to overcome. So if I'm that person who's sitting there thinking about selling my house, but I know it's going to be a little crazy because we got a couple issues to work through, who do you think I'm going to call? Right? So it's that kind of thing on the awareness, right? So I spend a lot of time there, but that's awareness, right? You got to communicate the awareness. Next is going to be consideration. Now that I'm aware that you're a multifamily syndicator, what I consider investing with you, you talked about no like and trust. This is where that comes in, right? This is the first time I'm seeing you, the first time I'm hearing you. I mean, listen, we're not talking about buying a pair of shoes or buying a cupcake. We're talking about a $50,000 or $100,000 investment. So it may take a little bit of time for me to get to know you, to like you, and then to trust you as a multifamily investor. So now we're going to go through that process to build that trust. And this is where that engagement kicks in. This is why it's important to build a list and start to share with people when you have a podcast, the thing that's great about a podcast is someone can listen to you for a long time and get comfortable with you before they're ready to make that decision. As a matter of fact, in our most recent deal, I had someone reach out to tell me that they had been listening to me for over a year. They've right. been listening to my show for over a year. They were extremely comfortable with me. They had been on my newsletter list, but we had never had a live phone conversation up until that point. And they reached out to say, hey, I've been ready to invest. I've just been waiting for the opportunity to partner with you. And I'm excited to work with you on your next deal. So it's one of those things where they get a chance to build that consideration 
and then ultimately make that leap into working with you and partnering with you. So those are the things that are really important, right? You've got to find various avenues to get in front of people, but then you have to make sure you're nurturing those relationships so that they can get comfortable. And again, you all have your thought leadership platforms with the podcast, with the YouTube channel. There are people who are watching your YouTube channel and are watching us right now who have been watching you for quite some time. And maybe they weren't ready when they first started watching or they had no idea what they're going to get into. They didn't know if they were going to like you. They just liked August's amazing beard and, and Ava's colorful shirts. And then they kept watching and finally decided, you know what, I, I like them. I think I do want to do something with them at some point, right? I'll try it out. Let me invest with them and just see what happens. And that's what happens, right? People build it up and then they, they try to partner with you. And that's the trial phase. And if they have a good experience. That's when they'll come back and ultimately be kind of a loyal investor. Amazing. Amazing. It's so much wisdom so and much. Uh, love, you know, so much knowledge this. there. I really love that. I wrote that down. I'm going to be Same. using it. A couple of rapid fire questions. So the concept of funnel, you got to be noticed. You talked about having your own YouTube show podcast. You talked about speaking on other people's YouTube show podcasts. You talked about blogs. You talked about word of mouth. You talked about events. So you do all of these things on top to connect with investors. Great. You've connected with them. Now they've noticed you. They've subscribed to you, hopefully. Maybe you can touch on that is maybe ways that they would subscribe. So let's say they've seen our podcast. We talk about in our business lead magnet. Maybe you can touch on that briefly. So, okay, great. They watched a YouTube show. What was the next step? They've checked out our website. Is that website enough for them to want to subscribe to us? Maybe touch on this idea of subscribing to us and staying in touch with us concept. Yeah. And there's two ways to look at it, right? We could look at it from our standpoint as the marketer, or you can look at it from their standpoint as kind of the customer or the investor. And as the marketer, yes, in our world, we want to put something out there, let them subscribe, let them consume all the information we have, and then ultimately be ready to be a client or a customer with us, right? The reality is, is that that person on the other end, they're searching for something. And we don't always know what that something is. When they come to your website, you don't know what they're looking for. Maybe they're already investing in apartment syndications and they heard of you and they want to check you out. They want to check out your website and see if it's worth being on your list. Maybe they've never heard of this before. They were Googling something and they stumbled upon your website, but they're not ready to join anything yet because they're still just getting information. So what you're talking about is when someone comes to your website, what's going to keep them there? What's going to make them engage with you? And what's going to make them say, you know what? I want to be a part of this community or learn more from this community moving forward. So something called a lead magnet is a great tool. And essentially all that is, it's something of value that you're going to create and you're going to provide it to people who come to your website in exchange for their email address. So on our website, we have a lead magnet, which is a sample deal package. And what it is, is it's going to be a sample deal that we put together. Whether you're an active investor or a passive investor, you can go to this website and you can download this package. And the reason we put together is really simple. For active investors who are looking to put together their own deals, sometimes they don't know what should be in there. And if you're trying to compete with other people and you put together a deal package that's really skinny and you don't have a lot of key information in there, well, people may not take you seriously or they may have a lot of questions. And the more questions they have, the more questions they're gonna have. And if you're not in a position to answer them, that's probably going to lean towards not investing with you. So being able to take a look at a deal package allows you to kind of look at it and quite frankly, steal from what we've already put down there. So you can learn what information do you need to gather about the market? What do you need to talk about with the deal structure? What key phrases or information do you need to brush up on, right? What are the key highlights of the deal that you want to talk about? Who's the team, right? How'd you come across this deal? What's the story? 
So all that can help you if you're an active investor. If you're a passive investor, the challenge is the first time you see a deal, it may be a real deal, right? It may be someone, a group like mine or yours, who's presented a deal, and now you're trying to process everything at lightning speed, and you may not even understand some of the terminology. So here you are trying to decide whether or not you want to invest in this deal, but you're trying to figure out what in the world IRR means or what in the world some other phrase means that's in this deck. And it may just be a lot and it could be overwhelming for you. So what this does is it gives you a chance to take a look at it, understand what kind of information you should expect and ask some questions. What should you be looking for? Some of these deal packages are 25, 35, 50 pages, 60 pages long. And that's before we even get to the PPM, right? The private place memorandum. This is just the marketing deck. So if the marketing deck's 50 pages, that's a lot of information. What are you supposed to pay attention to? How do you know which numbers actually mean something? Which numbers connotate risk versus numbers that are just numbers? So this allows you to figure out what to pay attention to as well. So that's what we have as our lead magnet, right? It's a tool to help people who are ready to invest. Now, the one thing I will say is, you really want to understand who your audience is when you're putting this together. For us, our audience is someone who is very interested in multifamily investing. It's not the person who woke up today and said, you know, I got a lot of money in the stock market. What should I do with it? Because for that person, you may want to start earlier in the process, right? So they're not ready to look at a deal just yet. They might need something that says, hey, here's some great alternatives to the stock market. So maybe you do a lead magnet tied to that. So it kind of comes down again to understanding your audience. Going back to the cupcake analogy, if you have a fat-free cupcake that helps you lose weight, that's great for an audience of people who are looking for that. But if you have someone who just wants some cupcakes for a five-year-old's birthday party, they could care less about that, right? So you got to figure out what are you actually looking to attract and, and highlight and what's going to be an important message for that end user. Amazing. Amazing. Awesome, John. John, I kind of wanted to talk to you about tracking investors. So an investor visited your website, but now you want them to also see you on Facebook. Is this even really possible? Let's talk about that. And what is it yeah. called? The actual terminology. And I mean, there's Google Analytics and you have all these things, but there's also tools and there's actually a marketing strategy where groups utilize that if somebody shows up on their website, somehow this thing tracks them follows and, them around uh, the and follows them around the internet and then puts a Facebook ad in front of them and do all this. Up and, and puts the YouTube. Yeah, it's very interesting. What we've heard is for groups like us, that's very powerful because again, what we're offering, we're not selling a service and we're not selling a product. We are offering a partnership. And this is quote unquote, August Benias, who's who said this is <laughs> there's so much trust needed there because, you know, it's just not buying a cupcake because you're putting your trust with someone, giving a hundred thousand dollars to groups like us, signing a 200 page document saying that if we lost your money, they can't do really do anything about it. And we take their money, we invest with it, we manage the project, they have no say. And then we sell it when we want, they have no say. And if there are profits, they get 70%, we get 30%. There's a lot of trust needed there for somebody to take that step. Obviously, if you want to be in this business long term, you need to perform and you need to be as scrupulous as possible. But the fact is, there's a lot of trust there. So somebody visits your website, and then they're just on Facebook and they see you again, it keeps building that trust and they see you on this podcast and they see you having your own podcast, they see you on this blog. So yeah, talk to us about what all that is and kind of give us. Yeah. So there's a lot of developments taking place in that space. And basically Google and Facebook are the main two, but they do have the ability to track your usage across various websites and then serve up specific messaging to you tied to that. Let me give you a great example, right? Have you ever been having a conversation with someone 
about anything and then magically you go on Facebook or Instagram or Google and you see an ad pop up for it. You're like, wait a minute, what? What in the world is this, right? I thought my friends were just paranoid when that happened. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's true, right? So what happens is like, uh, for instance, I'll give you a great one. I was talking about what my son is playing soccer right now. My phone's listening, so I'm sure this is going to kick up. So he's playing soccer right now and we're talking about like how he can get better at soccer and all that. Well, sure enough, next time I go to Instagram, I get an ad for a dribble up soccer ball, right? Now, I'm a middle-aged man at this point, right? So they clearly know that I've got a son, right? And they've got this soccer ball and there's an ad geared up to me. I didn't search this. I didn't Google it. I didn't do anything, right? This is a live conversation I'm having. So from a privacy standpoint, there's some growing concerns on the access that some of these apps have. But you're absolutely right. The fact is, if you visit our website, you can put what's called a pixel on your website. And this pixel, Facebook has it and Google has it. You can put it on your website and that pixel will track kind of the IP address and other websites they go to. And then you can serve up ads to individuals who take certain actions. Now, the cool thing is, as a marketer, you get to serve up ads based specifically on different actions they take. For instance, let's say you visit my website, but you only stay for like 10 seconds. Maybe the, the ad I gave you is more awareness based, right? So I can give you more information because clearly you didn't get what you needed in five seconds. But let's say you clicked into our invest or join our investor list button and you stayed on the site for a certain amount of time, but you didn't actually join our investor list or you didn't actually download our sample deal package. Well, then I could serve a specific message to people like that to say, download our sample deal, right? It's a reminder specifically of the sample deal. So I'm not necessarily gonna say invest with John Kasman and the Kasman Capital Group, but I might say, I knew you were interested in this sample deal package because you went to that website, you went specifically to that link, but you didn't fill it out. So maybe I serve you up an ad or a message that kind of reiterates that and gives you another chance to do that. So there's definitely different little techniques and tools that you can do to be more effective that way. I also think that on the flip side of that, it could be a little concerning for the user because if you're a user, it seems a little strange that you're on this website, you decided not to do it, and then boom, you get this ad telling you, hey, here you go, do it again, right? So I think there is a little bit of a privacy that you have to understand, and there's a balance between being aggressive and serving up an ad that you think people want versus giving them kind of the space to let them know that their privacy is there. So and that's something that is happening at a federal level with some of these websites, as well as a marketer, and particularly with what we're doing. The reality is, is that you want people who are ready and you just want to be there when they're ready and remind them that we're here when you're ready. You don't really want to be pushing them to join your list or invest with you. You just want to kind of be a reminder more than anything else. So there's a fine balance of how you do it, but there's definitely some techniques and tools. And if you look up Facebook pixels or Google Pixels, P-I-X-E-L, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about how to use that for your website. Awesome. Awesome, John. As we mentioned earlier in your bio, you also advise and consult investment groups now in conjunction with the real estate private equity firm that you run. Is that a service you provide? And is it a holistic approach where you come in and look at everything an investment group is doing with your involvement in the space? That would be huge. I'm actually asking about us as well. Do you come in holistically <laughs> and look at everything someone, a group is doing and kind of advise them? Talk to us about the services you provide. Yeah, absolutely. So the short answer is yes. And what we've done and what happened is we talked about kind of my background in marketing. And I think it's really important for every investor in this space and really not just investors, but every entrepreneur, you have to figure out your super skill, right? What is the one thing that you do that allows you to shine and be better than other people in your space. 
And as I mentioned, when I came into this space, part of my hesitation was I felt I didn't understand real estate as well as all these other real estate people, right? Who am I to go out there and try to syndicate these deals? And I've never really done construction. I'm terrible at laying tile. I couldn't tell you if it should be a dollar twenty-two a square foot or dollar seventy-eight a square foot, right? So who are you to do that? And part of it is you have to invest in the things that you do know. Well, I know how to manage people. You know, I oversaw a hundred million dollar advertising campaign and I had seven agency partners and some of them were in the digital space. And I did not understand things like pixels and all that stuff 10 years ago when they were talking to me about it. Right. So you have to understand that and you have to understand how to get the information, even when you don't understand the nuances of the specific mechanics of how something works. Right. How do you lead people regardless of whether or not you are the technical expert or you're just leading a team of people? So that was something that I had in my corner, but then also the marketing expertise. And what I realized is that many people have a challenge understanding this marketing component. And I do consult people who are active professionals. Some folks who are starting out, many of them are starting out and growing, but the folks who actually have the core elements of multifamily down, but need help with the marketing component, that's really my sweet spot because we can hit the ground running and taking a look at all the stuff we're talking about with analytics, with understanding what's working, where there are gaps in the funnel. Cause this is what I've done for 15 years. I sat with big brands and looked at all of their stuff. And we said, you know what? We're doing a great job driving awareness. We're having a great job driving people to the website, but our conversion sucks. Wow. People are leaving the website and very few are actually signing up. How do we fix this? So that's what we spent our time doing. We sat, spent our time analyzing what do we see, where's the gap, and how do we correct it? And I'll go back to the example we said, if you have people come to your website, but no one's signing up, you got a problem. And I had this problem myself. And this is going back to why we help people. We help these people because I was doing all this stuff and I forgot I was a marketer. I was just doing what I saw the people do, right? Build the website, host the podcast, go to events. Great. Well, guess what? I wasn't seeing the results. And I had to stop and say, man, why am I not seeing results? I said, John, stop acting like everybody else. You're a marketer. Put your marketing hat on and figure out what the problem is. And once I figured that out, I was able to solve it. And my biggest problem back then, I had a bad lead magnet. I loved it. I loved the lead magnet. I did. <laughs> but my audience didn't. Right. You know why I know that? Because they didn't download it. I remember indeed the magnet I had before it was my former podcast was Target Market Insights. It's not multifamily insights. Well, Target Market Insights was all about how to find the best places to invest. So our lead magnet was 21 hacks to help you find the best places to invest. And great tips in there. I mean, it really is. It's a phenomenal piece. I'll send it to you if you want to include it in the show notes here. It's a great piece. But the thing is, we didn't get a lot of downloads on that. And when we switched from that to the sample deal package, we started to see it take off. So that's the thing, too, as a marketer, is you have to step back and understand that you may be too close to what you're doing. You may need to step back and ask yourself, what do I need to provide for my audience? So this is the kind of thing we help all of our clients with is understanding where is the gap? Let's analyze what you're doing, what's working, what's not working. How do you get better at it? And then where can you shine? I think there's a big difference between having a mentor and having a coach. And I had a guest on my podcast and he broke down like the difference between a consultant, a mentor and a coach. And those phrases seemed all interchangeable to me. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I can't wait to hear what he's going to say. And his point was, a mentor is going to tell you how to do what they did, right? Here's what I did. Do what I did. A consultant is going to look at what you're doing and tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. But a coach, a coach is going to look at who you are, what your skills are, what your weaknesses are, 
and help you maximize those abilities. And that may feel very nuanced, but if you're an investor, whether you have a culture mentor now, my point is you have to ask yourself what you're missing and what you need. So we focus more on the culture. I mean, I got kids, I coach their team sports, right? I'm not coaching the kid who can dribble really well and is very athletic the same way I'm coaching a kid who's got two left feet and is trying to figure out how not to hit himself in the head with the ball, right? You got to coach them differently so that they can be the best that they can be individually so it can help the whole team. And that's really the thing, right? It's not about you trying to do exactly what that person did. You've got a different skill set. You've got a different story. You have different elements that you can highlight. So it's taking a look at that and then helping you maximize your potential. Amazing. Probably going to be getting a call here from CPI Capital as a potential client. Amazing. And, and John mentioned it. You know, is that one little tweak that he made with his lead magnet and it really started, it can be one little thing that needs to be, maybe you're doing a great job at everything else, but that Amazing. one thing that's Amazing. Else Thank you so much for the, the, yeah. the wisdom and, and advice Thanks, and lots of golden nuggets there. Let me going to move on to the next segment of our show. All right. The 10, ba -ba -ba -bum. The 10 championship rounds to financial freedom. Are you all ready, John? Let's go. Okay, let's go. First question. Who is the most influential person in your life? Oh, man, I got to say my grandmother. My grandmother passed away about 20 years ago, 21 years ago now, actually. But she was amazing, right? She's just the person who gave me all the confidence in the world when, quite frankly, I shouldn't have had it, didn't have it. But she made me believe in me in a way that only grandmothers can do. And she's absolutely the most influential person for me. That's beautiful. And good looks from the DNA, you know? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, more compliments to John. All right, John, question. What is the number one book you would recommend? Depends on where you're at, right? I could go a lot of places, but the one I would say is Atomic Habits because it's just a very, it's an easy to read book. It's very inspirational, but more importantly than that, it's actionable. And it's one of the first books I read where you can read one chapter or two chapters and stop and actually start applying it immediately and see immediate results because the book talks more about how to become the kind of person you want to be as opposed to just kind of theory and hypothetical ways to improve your life. So Atomic Habits by James Clear is definitely one of the books I recommend. I've got like four copies here in my house just randomly because I'll pass them out and I just keep ordering more. So Amazing. nice. All right. Very cool. Next question. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would work harder. I think one thing I didn't understand, this is a concept that I've learned as an adult, but you really get out what you put in and you have to just work a little bit harder. So I would have worked harder, particularly in high school, to just be a better student, to be a better student athlete and to just get the results that I was looking for and understanding that it wasn't based on nature and natural ability and it wasn't a fixed skill set, but I actually had the ability to improve and to be as great as I wanted to be if I spent more energy invested into that. So spending more time investing into the things that I actually wanted to get good at would have been the advice I'd give myself. For sure. Focus, focus. That's what I would have said to myself too, right? If you would have put all your focus into that, kind of what you were looking at. Yeah. Perfect. Become a superstar. All right, John, next question. What's the best investment you've ever made? I got to say my relationship with my wife is probably the best one I've ever made. So I'm going to go with that. Wonderful. Now, what's the worst investment you've ever made and what lessons did you learn from it? I did a flip project when I was at the point where I knew I wanted to scale, but I didn't really know how to scale. And that was absolutely the worst investment I made. And part of it was I was so eager to scale that I tried a couple of different strategies to make that happen. And one was following a guy who was a friend of mine. He was starting to flip with this other partner. 
I met that partner. I had on blinders because I was so eager to just go to the next level and I didn't really see the red flags. So there were lots of red flags there. The guy didn't intentionally do anything wrong, but nonetheless, we should have recognized those red flags and moved a little slower. So my lesson to myself is one, you've got to stay accountable for all the decisions you make and the team members that you partner with. One big thing for me is we are slower to partner. So we try to take our time to get to know people, make sure we understand the way they think, the way they make decisions, how they handle conflict. That's really, really important to us. So we don't really invest with someone or partner with someone until we have a sense of how they handle conflict and kind of the negative thing. Because everybody's great when you first meet, right? We're all going to put on our best face, but it's like a relationship, right? You got to have that first fight. The first fight tells you what you're really dealing with, right? When you have that first disagreement, you don't want to talk to that person. Now you have a sense of, okay, is this a real partner for me or have we passed the honeymoon phase? So I try to wait on the partnerships to get past that honeymoon phase so I can understand who I'm really working with. Yeah, but those difficulties you had on that deal, it, it builds you to be a better general partner and a fiduciary for your current investors. So absolutely, less absolutely. Well learned, but also another thing my grandpa says about partnering and figuring out your partner is always go on a trip or travel with someone who you're okay. looking to partner with because at a travel, when they're away, they're out of their element and they become their real self so you can yeah. see. Like the first time we traveled and we went jogging every day and you couldn't keep up to me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, here we go. I was hoping it was something positive. Thank God it was. Okay. All right, here we go. Next question, John. How much would you need in the bank to retire today? What's your number? Oh, man, just to stop syndicating completely, uh, man, we'd probably have to have like 50 million or something like that. All right. That sounds good. And I say that because what I'm thinking about is like taking care of us for the rest of our lives, right? There's a number obviously that's much lower than that, that we could live off of, especially if we have passive income and had income producing assets that delivered it. But for me to just stop doing everything, yeah, it'd have to be a sizable number. Right on. Absolutely. Okay. If you could have dinner with someone dead or alive, who would it be? Ooh, I'd love to have dinner with my grandmother, just thinking about her now, but I'd love to talk to her now and have her see kind of where I'm at today. And she's just a great person to talk to. So I'd have to go back to her. Amazing. Wonderful. Now, next question. If you weren't doing what you're doing today, what would you be doing now? Probably still be doing marketing. I really enjoyed it. You know, a lot of people, they get into a career or a profession that they want to quit and leave. I really enjoyed what I was doing. The problem for me was just more so the politics around it. And I realized I enjoy working with entrepreneurs because it's not about politics. It's about results right? This isn't about the CMO of some big company to stand in their seat for another 12 months so they can get this big bonus, right? That was kind of the underlying things that we were navigating and dealing with. And here it's really more about how do you help people reach the results they're looking for? So I loved marketing and I think marketing, it gets a bad rap because I think people see it as almost manipulation and that's not true. You can't make people see something that isn't there. If you have a crappy product, eventually people are going to realize you got a crappy product, right? You can't put an ad together and make people love something that sucks. So it really is about amplifying the truth and amplifying the message so that you can help more people find the solution they're looking for to their problems. Yeah, amazing. Two things about marketing that I'm realizing, zero background in marketing, but obviously it's part of our lives today. A couple of things that I realized, marketers are kind of like builders. They build these strategies and funnels. So essentially, if you're enjoying building, you'll enjoy being a marketer. And also marketing and everything that people don't realize, marketing is involved in every aspect of life, like politics, like military. A lot of time, a strong military or a group kind of that marketing, the uniforms they wear, the way they act is that marketing, that news that gets to the other 
country they're looking to invade, they get so scared that the troops start running away. So marketing is huge. And also in politics, like the way you come across and the way you market yourself. So you don't even realize a lot of times marketing has such an important influence on our lives. Well said. All right. So a little insider joke. John Casbin, book smarts or street smarts? (laughs) Oh, street smarts. Okay. Street smarts all the way? Nice. Yeah, of course. 98% of our guests have a set. Straight parts, yeah. And these are like obviously academics. Yes. Lots of intellectuals. So great. Last question, okay? If you had a million dollars cash and you had to make one investment today, what would it be? Oh, uh, it would probably be a passive apartment investment. And I'm not just saying that because that's what we do, but I think there's great value in not having to do all the work and being on the other, the LP side of the table, especially if you have a preferred return position. So you know that that general partner is going to do everything they possibly can to deliver your return so they can make money. So I think that's where I would go. And the thing is, is that real estate is tried and true. Every investment has some risk to it, but unlike crypto or stocks or some of these other spaces where your investment could absolutely go down to zero. With real estate, the value never goes to zero. So it really is a matter of understanding what's the risk in the deal and going from there. So it would definitely be in real estate. That's amazing. A million dollars passively in a syndication, you're looking at close to $70,000 a year of passive income. Good for you. Yes. Yeah. And preferred and lower on the capital stack. So you're That's protected. Right. Okay. Yeah. Last thing. Go John, ahead. can you just let everybody know what is the best way that they can get in touch with you, please? Well, we talked about the podcast. So Multifamily Insights is available anywhere you look to listen to podcasts. And the other thing is, if you are interested in that sample deal package we mentioned before, you can go to kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. And from there, you'll get a follow-up email with like the top seven things we look for in any deal that we're looking at or evaluating. So you can get on our newsletter and check out more deals there. But again, it's kasmancapital.com slash sample deal. John, your wealth of knowledge. August is going to be calling you shortly. Uh, We really appreciate you coming on our show today. Yeah, man, really appreciate it. Thanks for being here with us today, sharing all your knowledge and giving us your time. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I look forward to talking to you and continue to build on a connection. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We hope this conversation enlightened you on how to win big in this highly profitable and risk adverse space. Get on your feet and embrace this world that offers so many opportunities just waiting for you out there. Continue your journey to becoming a savvy real estate expert by subscribing to the show at cpicapital.ca. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and share with your friends. See you on the next one.